And the other one is a service that offered relation retreats. Now, I went back and looked at this because I was really puzzled about what relation retreats is. And I think they've actually um, left out some letters on their website. And I think they meant to say relaxation retreats, (laughs) which I'm not sure really makes it that much better. everyone, welcome back to the Early Education Show. We're here with episode 59. I'm Liam. I'm Lisa. And it's just the two of us this week. Unfortunately, Leanne uh, couldn't make this episode, but Lisa and I will soldier on regardless. So we but might... she did send a, an apology note. That's all right. So I think Signed we're... by, well, actually, it was signed by her, but <laughs> you know, you're allowed to forge your own signature by the time you get to her age, I think. I think so. And also, given that out of the three of us, she's the only one who's been a CEO, she probably gets you know, oh, some dispensation yeah. around Brownie points. Brownie points. <laughs> Brownie points. Yep, yep. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll do what we usually do, which is uh, have a quick uh, go at news chat. We're just going to talk about a few of the things that have piqued our interest in the news over the last week. And we're going to start with uh, a topic we, we had a discussion on as a main topic not too long ago, but just about the corporate early childhood sector. And uh, Australia's corporate early education sector has not had a good week, with G8 Education confirming that Jenny Hudson, its former chairwoman, is facing criminal charges following ASIC's investigation into her management of the business. Uh, G8 have been quick to say that this has nothing really to do with G8 at all, uh, with uh, G8 boss Gary Carroll saying that all the allegations are about her. Uh, Hudson is facing 26 criminal charges from her time at the top of G8, but ASIC has not yet revealed the specifics. Um, Lisa, it, it seems challenging for me to be the chairwoman of an organisation, but yeah, apparently have had nothing to do with any issues that may have been there. I don't as, know. Especially it... <laughs> as it was all about it, the takeover that G8 was trying to do of Affinity, and that was the where the criminality came because she there was all these kind of insider sort of you know related company sort of things. Yeah, it's. Uh... I could be using the wrong words there. I'm always a little bit scared about talking about corporates because I don't speak corporate. No, we, we've we've uh, and there's probably a badge of honour, really, Lisa. But I'm I'm interested <laughs> that uh, ASIC, which is the uh, which we should say is the Securities Investments Commission, so they're kind of like the the watchdog of corporate, particularly things like mergers and takeovers and things like that. As far as I know, that's my very brief summary of it. But um, they haven't actually revealed the charges, which seems. Interesting. Yes, they have. Oh, see, when I I was looking at this earlier this morning, they hadn't yet. Do you know generally what they are, roughly? Um. Uh. Well. Um. Complicated legalese financial things that yeah, probably aren't too yeah, important. Yeah, like it's um. Uh. I think that we knew when she left that um there was certain things that um. Uh, that the takeovers panel had accused her of. And so it was um, about three affinity shareholders um, and they all said, yes, let's take take G8's offer to take us over, Um, except that there was links between um, uh, Jennifer Hudson and the owner of all those, um, of each of those three shareholders of Affinity. 
So it's... Bit of a no-no. Yeah, structural links, common investments and common dealings between um, Jennifer Hudson and each of the parties. Now, the interesting thing for us in childcare is that that was kind of the thing that undid Eddie. It was all a bit of, um, you know, um, related companies and stuff like that. Eddie Groves, the um, ABC Learning, it was all about, um, yeah... Uh, things that appeared to be separate from each other but weren't really. Actually weren't, yeah. Well, didn't you? I've been doing a lot of reading about ABC recently for... Um, oh, God, I hate it when people do this on shows when they talk about another project that might be coming down the track, but, God, it's fairly uh, fairly terrible. But, unfortunately, that is what I'm doing, is doing some, some writing I'll be doing about ABC for, for, for something else a bit later. And uh, there are exactly that, these, similar, these, these similarities around multiple businesses and how they engage each other and people being actually related to each other or married to each other. And at the end of the day, there wasn't sort of specific criminal things that ABC Learning did that got them in trouble. It was more the five or six other bizarre companies that circled around it and were actually sort of managed by, by Eddie at the end of the day that, yeah. that got him into trouble. Did you know that me and um, a friend of the podcast, Carl, has have actually written a whole thing about... Um, ABC and Affinity and stuff that we've never actually published, but it might help you in your research. Oh, if would... you're very nice to us, we could lend you a copy of it. That would be very useful research. I hope I get a discounted fee of some kind. Uh, it'll be high. It'll be high. <laughs> we can get, I can get some sort of mates rates, surely. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> we'll move on to. We've got another in our one of our favourite regular features on the show, which is Rort Alert. I still don't have a sound effect. I'm working. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> rort, 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 rort. Um, but Federal Education Minister Simon Birmingham uh, has announced that a crackdown on family daycare providers. I should say in the media release, there uh, dodgy family daycare providers. Uh, Rorty. I don't think I've heard the word family daycare used by the media for quite a while without that dodgy before. <laughs> That's all right, actually. So the, the new acronym for, for family daycare is now DF, uh, <laughs> DFDC. It's dodgy family daycare. Um, but there's been uh, claims that the family daycare providers have been rorting the grandparents' childcare benefit, so what's commonly known as the GCCB. Um, and apparently this has saved taxpayers more than $100 million. Uh, what, rorting it has? Apparently, well, no, stopping no. the rots? <laughs> stopping the rots, I think. So I'm obviously looking forward to that money being immediately re- reinvested back into the early education sector, surely. Um, Don't hold your breath. Yes. Don't hold I, your breath. I will not do so. But according to the minister, there were instances where providers were charging three times their normal fees for getting families uh, to apply for the GCCB. Dodgy. Dodgy, dodgy rorts. Now... I feel like we have covered this sort of ad nauseum, so maybe we'll just do our maybe quick summary points again, which is one thing it's important to remember, this is an absolute minority of, uh, of, of services that are doing this, so the number seems huge, but you can reach that number quite quickly because um, but based on the amount, you're sort of, you know, what you only need sort of three or four providers to, to be doing this quite successfully to get a big amount. Um, two, the, the system, I, I almost feel bad, the system... Or doesn't or it doesn't just allow it it almost actively encourages it there's so little the system has so little checks and balances on this stuff and that was entirely within the purview of the government to change we didn't need the new childcare package to fix this particular rorting so i always get a bit annoyed when those sort of things are linked that the system was set up with all these loopholes that they could have just closed and they and they chose not to 
Um, but and then the other thing is, this is just another example of you know it'd be great just occasionally to have the minister talking about you know some of the good things the early childhood sector does, whether in the family daycare, sorry, within the dodgy it's family daycare things. sector or not. Well, okay, well not not if you read the minister's press releases, uh, Lisa. Yeah, but if yeah. you if you you know occasionally listen to some other things, maybe a good podcast or two, there is some good stuff happening out there. Um, but yeah. we don't tend to hear about it, unfortunately. Mm, sad, yeah, really. Sad, sad. Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to chat about is that the West Australian State Government, uh, the Mindaroo Foundation and Telethon Kids Institute have announced a 49.3 million... Mindaroo? I would have said Mindaroo. Oh, God, I was having this argument with someone the other day. Look, my my my, my look, look at this until I hear it spoken and I do too much reading and not enough listening, is that the word mind is pronounced mind. So I'm going Mindaroo. Yeah, but the word min is before the duh. Yeah, but isn't... Yeah. <laughs> I love that this has turned into a linguistics podcast. <laughs> anyway, that, that organisation and Telethon Kids Institute, they've announced a $49.3 million investment into a 10-year early childhood initiative. Uh, so in Western Australia, four communities across metropolitan, regional and remote Western Australia will be invited to take part in a partnership between the government, organisations and researchers to look at ways to better design and deliver services for children aged zero to four years. Uh, the funding will be focused on ensuring less... Uh, children start school developmentally vulnerable. And look, it's always, always good to have more money going into the sector, I think. And uh, Mindaroo is Twiggy Forest, is it not? That's right, yes. So this is part of his uh, last year or the year before. He announced a pretty significant um, philanthropic donation to a whole range of areas, but including uh, early intervention as well. Yeah. Mm. Can, can we just say, this is where it's bad for Leanne to be away on episodes like this, because I think we will... We, we, we both tend to take the cynical view. And I'm not taking too much of a cynical view on this. What kind of annoys me slightly is that, so this investment is into research for things that will be successful. And my view is we actually know what will be successful. We probably don't need a 10-year initiative between all these organisations who are, I'm sure and actually know are fantastic and will do great things. But why does this need to be a trial across four communities? We actually, there's plenty of evidence, both internationally and in Australia, about what we know will work in the early intervention space and what would actually support children in the first four years. So this, this kind of seems to me a little bit of like, can we put off doing the actual things until, we've, until we're quite ready to, to fund them properly? Is that bitter and cynical of me, Lisa? No, it's not. In fact, that point was made at um, Deb Brennan's uh, retirement function last week by New South Wales academic Professor Fran Press, who said we ca- people can't keep saying there is no Australian research mm. about the value of education and care. There's lots of it. They just need to read it. Yeah, exactly. There's plenty of it out there. And my argument has always been, because one of the arguments against significant investment in Australia has been there hasn't been enough Australia-based research. Now, I think, A, that's not true, and B, even if it was, Australia is not that unique. We're not that special a snowflake. A lot of the stuff that will work in similar countries overseas would work just as well here. So that, to me, isn't a fantastic argument for not investing in significant programs. True. Yeah. All right. Well, that's hashtag news chat. But the hashtag hasn't caught on yet, Lisa. It probably hasn't helped that I haven't used it. But we'll, <laughs> I'll, start, uh, I'll start thinking about it. But that was hashtag news chat, everyone. Um, but we are going to take a, a quick break and then we'll be back with... We've got a bit of a, a lighter topic than we've been having recently on the podcast. Does so that mean we can play up? We can have a little bit of fun, Lisa, and hopefully yes. not offend 
Hopefully not offend too many people as we go along. But uh, And Leanne's away, so we can play up big time. Uh, it's always such a bad idea for her to be away. She knows what we get up to. But uh, stay, <laughs> with, stay with us for a quick break and we'll be back in just a minute. back to the show so um this week lisa uh, and leanne before she had to pull out and i sort of got together and thought about what we wanted to do this week we had a bit of a uh, you know a bit of a um you know a get together a, a brainstorming session and um, this week we thought we're going to do some blue sky thinking we're going to have some kitchen table conversations and ensure there are no oh. bad ideas as oh. we tackle how early education oh. services are marketed across Australia. Bear with me, Lisa, it's nearly done. Uh, so we're, we're going to do this in two parts. So first, uh, Lisa and I are going to share an example or maybe an honorary mention or two, but you know, one sort of example of some truly sterling marketing we've seen in the early childhood space. And then this is what I'm really excited about. Um, we're going to put forward a marketing idea that we don't think has actually been taken up and used in the sector yet, um, but really, really, really could be and probably really needs to be. Maybe we could copyright the ideas before you know, before an organisation gets onto them. Um, but so this is, we're not going to get uh, too deep into philosophical discussions here, but we're going to hopefully find some some good examples. So Lisa, I'm going to, I know you've been uh, doing some, can I use the term research for this? I'm going to use the term research. Yes. You've been doing some, <laughs> you've been doing some vital research into this space. So I, I can't wait to hear what you're bringing us. <laughs> well, my favourite are the ser- two services. One that has now offers Zen areas for young children, because I think each young child at a service needs their own Zen area. Is, is this like uh, an area where there's just like I don't know copies of Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance <laughs> or something lying around? No, I believe it's. Bean bags and, <laughs> um, you know, uh, soft candle light and, you know, um, chill areas, you know, <laughs> like kind of imagine a festival space, you know. This would be where the hippies were sitting, you know, cross-legged drinking chai. <laughs> in the equivalent of that in an early childhood area. And the other one is a service that offered relation retreats. Now, I went back and looked at this because I was really puzzled about what relation retreats is. And I think they've actually um, left out some letters on their website. And I think they meant to say relaxation retreats, (laughs) which I'm not sure really makes it that much better. But, you know... If your service is so hectic that you need relaxation retreats and zen areas, then go for it. You advertise them as your unique, um, you know, selling point. I think most parents would kind of look at those things as like bedrooms or cot rooms or, you know, just, you know, maybe a book corner or two where a child can chill. Hang on, no, Lisa, hang on. We can't waste you know, you know, limited resources on luxuries and nonsense things like books and, uh, you know, construction equipment. Or anything like that. I mean, come on, this is 2018. We need to be making sure we're focused on um, that, you know, the children are having, you know, breakaway, breakout spaces to, yes. to be, yes. you know, truly becoming the best person they can be. Well, you know, we actually found another one that offers a food exploration laboratory. Is this like sponsored by Charlton? I was going to say Charlton Heston. That would be fantastic. Was it <laughs> Heston Blumenthal or whoever it is? I've got no idea. <laughs> but, the... you know, don't you feel like 
you're actually ripping off every child you're educating, Liam, because you're not allowing them access to a food exploration laboratory. Well, I'm I'm more worried about in terms of national policy on early childhood. That you know the Australian Early Development Census doesn't include you know a developmental area on uh, kitchen laboratory creation. I mean, if your child <laughs> if your child cannot make a signature dish uh, by the age of five, I mean, clearly you are setting them up to fail. Oh, clearly, clearly. What What's your children's signature dishes? Um, look, we're, we're, we're still narrowing it down. So we're obviously, I mean, we obviously pushed hard for, you know, a variation on the crock and bush quite early. You've got to get that in. If you can nail that <laughs> early, you can pretty much nail anything. Um, and then the rest, you just want something like a, you know, a salmon, you know, a kale and quinoa ragu of some kind, if you can. I mean, just the basics, Lisa, nothing too fancy. <laughs> and how, remind me how old your children are again? Uh, three and six. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, so we've left it a bit late, I know. But, um, but you know, hopefully hopefully we'll get there before Elliot starts school. We were a bit slow yeah. with that, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's yours? <clears throat> well, my one, look, and, and look, you know, uh, not being the most innovative person in the world, I did have to look no further than our own backyard uh, in Canberra. Now, it may shock you to know, uh, Lisa and, and listeners, and just, and just, you know, brace yourselves for some, for some shocking statements. In Canberra... There's a, we've got a little bit of a reputation for, I don't know what the nice word is, but, you know, pretty uh, progressive approaches or, or shall we say wanky approaches to, to, to certain things. Not a term I would ever use. Certainly I think we just, you know, we, we, we just take our um, content experiences, um, you know, very seriously. And I think that's, a, that's something we have, to, we have to do. But, you know, I, I had something that, Lisa, I didn't even know was an issue until this amazing centre uh, here in Canberra resolved it. Um, which was that they have a fantastic. Uh, well, there's actually two things I want to raise. I want to raise the the, the, the interesting one first, but then the other one, which is, um, so parents, you know, busy busy parents on their way to their demanding public servants to public service jobs, where there's probably only you know five or six coffee breaks waiting ahead of them. Uh, they can grab a professionally made coffee once they uh, sign their children in. But more important than that, Lisa, and this is you know I just cannot believe that this is not a standard feature. Of, of every single early childhood centre, they have um, a concierge station outside the centre for peak hour drop-offs. And, you know, the director of the centre, you know, very, um, you know, there's amazing marketing going on here, which has said, we've tried to think of all the ways we can make life easier for busy parents. And having someone outside ready to help them bring in bags and children is one of the ways we can help. Oh, do you just get to throw your kid out of the, the car window? Absolutely. I mean, Lisa, I think we can all acknowledge and agree that the the, the, the problems you know that are that are inherent in drop off um, are absolutely to do with too much engagement by families in the centres. I mean, having families having to actually walk through the doors into the centre is clearly just causing havoc, confusion, and chaos. The absolute best thing we can do to support children to you know to settle in and engage in the space is to have them you know dragged out of the car and and, and oh, brought yeah. into the center by by an educator that they may not know oh, well. look absolutely you know especially if it's a casual mm. you know wouldn't that work well absolutely i'm just hoping they have a little concierge uniform of some kind um, just to really okay. complete the child grabber <laughs> no, <I> just... <laughs> that's right <laughs> what was the one from chitty chitty bang bang it was the uh <laughs> the, the, the child catcher or something. Yeah, that's right. That's, yeah. But um, but I mean, I'm hoping. I, my view is not to not to skip ahead to the next segment. I will have a different one. But I, I mean, I think this doesn't really go far enough. I think the, really the best thing to do is actually just to drive through station in general, where you just hand them through a window as you drive past. That's probably you know if you can. Oh no, but but 
you, you've also got to be given your coffee by the services barista because so many services now have baristas on, you know, on staff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Highly, highly, so quali- highly qualified baristas. You swap the child for the coffee. Yeah, what to, more could well, you want? Got on some mornings, Lisa, it does not sound like a bad deal, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, of course. So just a couple. I mean, I, I don't know if you had sort of any... Honorary mentions, Lisa. I mean, I, I always like to bring up, and this is just because I have no sense of food knowledge or, or interest whatsoever, but these, um, and this is becoming quite big in, in Canberra particularly, but it's just menus that highlight um, whatever the current fad is at the moment. So kale, Look, I actually, quinoa. I was engaged to do some research for some academics about how premium services marketed themselves and the number of services that use nutrition as a marketing thing was just horrendous, you know. And they have, like, on some services websites, they look more like a food website than having anything to do with children. It is, yeah, I, I, I had this bizarre feeling we might have tackled this uh, in another episode, maybe even yeah, earlier I than last we year. Have. But do we know what, like, what, why has that suddenly become such a... Selling point is that just a sort of growth in sort of foodie culture in general, and that, or that is it about playing on guilt around parents not giving their children good enough food? No, I think it's playing on foodie culture, and it's you know, like um, it's it, people worry about their children and nurturing children through feeding them is something that we all do, you yeah, know, as parents. So. The only other sort of honourable mention I had was a centre uh, in. New South Wales that I saw had a dedicated Lego room, uh, and I, 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 my 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 hope was, and this isn't confirmed or denied by the website, so I'm just going to blindly hope it's true. My hope is that that means the room's made out of Lego, and that the walls <laughs> are just completely Lego. I doubt it. But, but, Can you imagine how expensive that is? And look, Lisa, again, I'm just you know the the innovation of these people. I I'd always assumed that you know Lego could basically be kind of played anywhere. You didn't really need a dedicated Lego room uh, for it. But obviously, clearly, been doing it wrong for years. Unless you have a dedicated Lego room, and I look, and I would argue, if you don't have one in your house, I mean, you're probably not really setting yeah, your children you're up to not succeed. A, you're not a good parent, are you? No, no. Yeah, but oh well. Was I. Yeah, maybe they could add that to the work activity test. It's like, yeah. a very easy way to determine income. It's like, do you have a Lego room in your house? Well, unfortunately, not able to attend this week. <laughs> All right. Well, I think um, do we want to? We so I think we want. We now want to put on a, a marketing genius hats, Lisa, and maybe come up with a couple of ideas that we don't think are being utilised by services yet. So again, people out there, feel free to get in contact if you want to take any of these ideas. We think they're both. We we both think they're they're. they're Pretty, pretty good ideas, don't we, Lisa? Do you want to go first? Oh, for sure. Okay. Now, you might not know, Liam, but I've actually been responsible for, you know, teaching services marketing at some stage. I'm not exactly sure why, but... Oh, you've got an actual expert on the yeah, show tonight. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a bit of a marketing expert. <laughs> and But I must admit that the last particular one I did, it was all around getting people to hang around Centrelink with their brochures because they were trying to get more low-income people into their services <laughs> um, because that's what the latest um, funding re- funding scheme of the New South Wales government required. But I've gone with the other, I've gone to the other end with my suggestions for today. And marketing, you know, works on a few things. The first one, is marketing by fear. So you create a problem 
and then you solve it. So I thought we could do some great marketing by fear in early childhood um, education care services. We could talk about the immunisation rates of our centres. Our centres got 95% of all children immunised. Come to our centre. Do you know what your centre's immunisation rates are? You know, thereby you can just put the fear of God That's into genius. it. it was, parent that if they send their child to another service, they're going to catch a vaccine vaccine preventable disease. That's genius, Lisa. And you could throw that over into infection control procedures. Our infection control procedures are second to none. We have less, you know, days off for sickness than any other service in this area. That's, that's I'm, that I'm totally on board. Yeah. Now, if that doesn't work, if marketing by fear doesn't work, then marketing by aspiration. That's the other way. And, like, a lot of services do this quite, you know, successfully already, but I'm going to go a bit higher with it, right? ATAR preparedness. <laughs> if you come to our centre, we guarantee they will score in the top band for their ATAR. You know, or architectural appreciation. By giving you your child a designer centre, we are putting in the the appreciation of architecture that will sustain them throughout their life. I love it. Or if that one doesn't work, artists and musicians in residence. (laughs) You know, because like really, you know, the rich all really like their art and their music. So why not have artists and musicians in residence? Or better still, future marriages made here. Oh, my God. Now, who doesn't love that picture on your front of a website of a gorgeous girl dressed in, you know, dress-up clothes on a wedding dress and a gorgeous boy in dress-up clothes of a wedding suit kissing? Ooh. Um, um... I'm not quite sure what to say now, Lisa, but... Uh, I'm just taken away with the ideas. There are no bad ideas. There are no bad ideas. There are no bad ideas. Just remember, Liam, there are no bad ideas. I love it. I mean, the, the vaccination infection control stuff, I can I can picture the marketing now. You can get you know, those wonderful images of really sick children, cover them in spots. And yeah. You say, this is, what, is this what your current service looks like? It's genius. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. Well, so what's yours? What's yours? Well, Lisa, I love that. You know, you've, you've picked on one of those classic marketing tropes, which is, you know, that idea of basically you look at fear and aspiration. And, um, you know, I want to get into more of a bit of a, uh, you know, higher level executive business approach, which is, the, which is the idea of vertical integration, which is you want to have multiple products that sort of leverage each other to create, you know, maximum content and maximum income. Uh, really important things for early childhood people, obviously, to know. So, um my recommendation is all, everything I learned about vertical integration, I learned from 30 Rock and Jack Donaghy, which is, <laughs> which is all I need to know. Um, so my thing is, look, you know, what, 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 is, what do all early childhood centres have that's very hard to get, which is um, children and all the amazing fun things they get to do each and every day? What are we not doing with that resource, Lisa? We're not filming them and turning them into a reality television show. So imagine this telling the families not only will you get access to a probably state-of-the-art and visionary early childhood education you and your child may be able to become the stars of australia's next top preschool 
Oh, honey boo boo, here we come. How, so you have the centre, you're running, and then you're selling the rights to a television show. You're, <gasps> you're making it in, you're, Lisa, I mean, this makes economic sense as well as, you know, you know, engaging children in media at a young age and setting setting them up for future careers in... I can, I can see a problem, though, Liam. You'd have to engage telegenic educators. Is there enough of them in the sector? <laughs> well, look, Lisa, I think I know what you're saying, uh, and I am available. I, I'm, I'm happy to star in this show. I think, I think that's... <laughs> I think that's where oh, you're going. Excuse I, me, I might look, have just I'm busy. My I'm busy. Lisa. I, I, can, I can make myself available. I've got a bit on, but I'm prepared to make myself available. I think that's what you, that's where you were going with that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but um, but just I mean, the, 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 Lisa, this marketing rights itself, which is you know what a, everyone wants their 15 minutes of fame, and we've got we've got you know soap operas and and dramas and tragedies and comedies happening in our centres right now. It's frankly astonishing that no one has thought to do this yet. Do you think that all that thing that happens in reality TV shows of, you know, having to redo the action time and time again would get you past the NQS? You know, like oh, that time reflection. when, you know, the child vomits all over the educator. How would you reenact that numerous times? Well, but you, well, that's a tricky one, Lisa, but I'll tell you what, you make a good point. So one of the critical parts of the National Quality Standard is that critical reflection is conducted uh, as, as individuals and in groups. And what better critical reflection than those one-to-one camera sessions in, like, the diary room or, or you know, oh, where they sort of yes. reflect on what happened <laughs> later on? That is critical reflection in a nutshell, my friend. <laughs> this idea is Love getting it. better all the time. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. How fantastic is that? <laughs> now, I think before we wrapped up, Lisa, we wanted to just to just to give people, I guess, a bit of a sense of the overall sort of the kind of marketing things we're we're kind of we're kind of looking at, and uh, is maybe just I think we might alternate at looking at just a few look sort of the marketing branding, the marketing taglines we've sort of seen out there over the last little while. So we're just going to... Now, we're going to do these as anonymous, aren't we? We're not going to name the services? Yes. and Shame we, and name? Of or course not? not. And we definitely wouldn't recommend, Lisa, that anyone just simply Googles them and find out who right. doesn't that would okay. be, but we, we won't name them in a podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, look, this is this is one of my one uh, one of my favourite ones. It's a service that I've never heard of, but it has quickly become Australia's number one childcare provider operating state-of-the-art early learning and childcare centres that are equipped to meet the ever-changing demands of today's families. And they show pictures of it, and it's all indoors, and it's all plastic, and there is one forlorn plastic tree in the corner. But they're the, they're the number one provider. I don't remember I that I don't remember that award ceremony, but, well, congratulations, but I just, I, I feel a bit, I, I missed that, that award ceremony. Yeah, I think I did too. But they, yeah, the other part of this one that I also liked, I found this in the middle of last night, and I must admit to it, it keeping me up for a little while. Um, the, the service's philosophy is punctuated by a commitment to developing lasting relationships with families. Wow. So it's not underlined or anything like that. It's punctuated, you know, like oh full stops. Or... That's impressive. <laughs> Wow. Okay, what's yours? <laughs> so my one is, uh, you know, that people are, you know, sort of taking some of the things we've we've taken to heart in this in the in the show, Lisa, which is uh, changing your perception of childcare, and oh. and, and they've got and they, they they talk about that it's time to reevaluate Australia's approach to childcare. 
And that the moment you and your child walk through the doors of this service, your perception of childcare will change forever. Presumably, you'll be blinded by the uh, you know IKEA catalog uh, entrance, the um, slightly strange uh, fake uh, road signs that I can see in the image I can see in, in front of me. Um, the fact that there are um, some sort of bizarre cubby houses inside, which I guess does change my perception of things that should probably be outside that are, that are inside. Um, so, I mean, I guess technically, yes, but um, I'm just not quite sure... <laughs> How they're going about it. <laughs> okay, the next one, I'm just going to give the line and nothing else. And the line is, you should choose them because it just makes sense. Oh, God. Well, I'll tell you what, whoever came up with that tagline was not paid enough money for that project. <laughs> what was the classic uh, ad campaign? Was it, you know, it makes sense? Was it, was, was it a political <laughs> campaign or? Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Brilliant. Um, I'm going to go to the next one, which is, Changing the world, one educator at a time. Now, my initial thinking with this, Lisa, is those are appalling educator-to-child ratios. So if, this, if there is one educator at this service, I've that there needs to be an immediate report to the department about that. That is significant child But I also think that, you know, like what they really want to do is say that, you know, to, like educators are so bad that to change the world, you have to start with them changing educators. You know, bugger changing the American president or whatever. Just change educators <laughs> and it'll change the world. <laughs> we can just sort out a recruitment interview template. We've got the world solved, people. Yep. Okay, now the next one, you know, I really like this one because this one, I've got to say, it's corporate. And they a lot of the corporates kind of have problems because – do they have a website that's about children and families or do they have a website that's speaking to their investors? <laughs> but this one, this one's nailed that particular problem because it's got the, the tagline exceeding the national quality standard and then prosperity will just follow from there. Oh. So they think that if they exceed the national quality standard, they'll the organ their company will suddenly become rich for shareholders. God, that that almost sounds like some of those slogans you see in some of those old Soviet countries, which is you know achieving prosperity through working yeah. harder in the fields. Yep. Oh my god. Okay, what's your next one? Now this one, I, I mean. It, it, it's hard not to say this one if people don't know who it is because I think this one's pretty common around the centre, but we will just say it and I'll quickly move on. But um, it is nurturing over 15,000 shining stars and inspiring kiduality. Now... Uh, Indiciduality. It's indiciduality. Sorry. So hang on. Yeah. We need to get this right because it is. it, it takes a bit of a while to filter in through the brain and realise how amazing it is, but... So nurturing over 15,000 shining stars and inspiring indikiduality. Indikiduality. Um, yeah, no idea what that means. No idea what that means. I think we'll just say crime <laughs> against the English language and move on. Okay. The next one um, uh, is a state-of-the-art service, right? Oh, there's there's a, a lot of state-of-the-art there's a few of those around. Yeah, I Googled and there's about 20 that I came oh. up with straight away. But this one includes water parks, swimming pools, and relaxation retreats. The water park has sprays, a frog-shaped mist archway, and a learn-to-swim pool. 
and there's indoor and outdoor chill-out zones. Mm, and this is a, a not-five service, yeah. What it apparently doesn't have is any outdoor space, but, hey, <laughs> you can't have hey, everything, Lisa, can you? <laughs> I mean, they've only got so much of a budget. I mean, by the time they put in, you know, the third water park, you know, it's not their fault. <laughs> they had nothing left for, for you know, a tree. True. <laughs> and then I think my last one before we, we get you to do the last one, which is uh, this service is a state-of-the-art facility. Again, it's, a, a, it's amazing how many are state-of-the-art. Um, a state-of-the-art facility that has been designed and detailed to create an environment of homely opulence. Um, there's, a few, there's a few questions to pull out of here. I'm not sure, and again, maybe just my lack of knowledge of interior design, or I'm not sure, what does detailed mean? Detailed is kind of like doing the final finishing touches. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, I mean... Well, don't ask me what homely, homely ho- opulence Homely means. opulence. I I, th- I think they've kind of looked at my kitchen and thought, yeah, oh. it looks homely and, and look opulence, how opulent it is looks. kind of... Um, mm. It's... In, it's in, uh, what's that word for when you kind of... In, put something in there that's not really there. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a false veneer or something. Yeah. Oh. oh. All this made me think of was that I'm pretty sure that my house is actually in a state of homely decadence, but, you know, that's... A, that works too. <laughs> I guess that works too. So, you know, again, things I didn't know were important, which were homely opulence, but obviously something very important to look out for as you're looking for services. And I think... You've got one more for us, Lisa. So bring yeah, it look at this one um, again is a state of the art one. Yeah, they're so good, these state of the art ones, <laughs> and it's got the complimentary barista style coffee. It's not barista coffee; it's a barista style barista coffee. Style coffee. Yeah, uh. but it does make up for that with fresh baked treats. But <laughs> it's got sustainably designed, bright and generously sized learning hubs. Oh. And it's got state-of-the-art interactive technology and zen areas to balance learning and play. Right. Okay. So it's not just that they throw an iPad at your child when they walk in. It's an interactive oh. technology. And balancing learning and play. Very interesting, yeah. yeah. It's a shame. I wish, you know what, that's always been such an issue for the sector. I wish someone would just come up with some sort of national curriculum framework that sort of articulated that learning and play aren't separate things that need to be balanced, that they're actually the same. But, you know what, I guess that'll yeah, just never... too hard. Obviously. Too hard. That's obviously never but, going but look, to happen. this centre's going on the right way because it does say that it offers school readiness and kindergarten programs delivered by bold letters here bachelor qualified Ooh. early childhood teachers oh right as, as opposed, opposed to the other to those yeah. other qualified that's early right. childhood teachers that that's right as opposed to the straight to their phds or something well, I that's don't right know. Or, or got their qualification by you know collecting five tokens from a cereal box are you boasting about that again Wayne? well yeah, i've told so. you not to tell anyone that's how you got yours a, there are multiple ways to get a qualification that is all i will say um so I think we've uh, this was fun, Lisa. We've had a good time with this. I think we've probably lost a few uh, friends of anyone who's recognised their uh, service in this one. But I think do we want to just quickly. I mean, I think the title of this episode is going to be "Does it matter how early childhood services mark them uh, market themselves?" And 
do we want to quickly just before we wrap up have a little bit of a serious comment about you know does we've kind of laughed and done indulged in a bit of mockery without Leanne to hold us back but does any of this matter like do you at a broad level for the sector does this concern or sort of worry you at all Lisa oh of course it does because it's all crap and that's what parents you know, are being taught to look at to buy you know, yeah. um, you know, a veneer of beautifully designed rooms with baristas and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it doesn't say anything about the things that we know are important in our education and care. One of the things that we used to um, say to services when we're teaching them marketing is what is it you're famous for and promote that. And I suppose, you know, that works for services that have been operating for 30 or 40 years that are now having to find themselves marketing their service in a way that they've never done previously. But it doesn't work for a new startup. So those new services will use those marketing of fear and marketing by aspiration to try and position themselves because they really do have nothing unique to sell, you know, and I think that, um, you know, like what the really unique thing that all services should be selling is what parents actually want to know, that their child will be safe, that their child will be loved, that their child will learn. You can't go far past those things. No, uh, I entirely agree in a second. The only other thing I'd add is that, uh, the the Asequa's uh, sort of review of its own work that came out earlier this year revealed that, you know, family understanding of the importance of quality in early childhood centres is really low and hasn't really shifted since 2012 uh, when Asequa and the NQF launched. So services have a huge role to play in advocating for the importance of early childhood education if we're instead using that opportunity to use, you know, meaningless marketing speak about learning hubs and state-of-the-art innovative balancing of learning and play um, where, you know, that's contributing to the misunderstanding, not helping fix it. Yep. Yep. For sure. Wonderful. All right. Well, that was fun, Lisa. We'll take another quick break and then be back with our recommendations for the week. We're back, so we're going to give you some homework and reading for the for the weekend as we as we head into it. So, Lisa, what are you bringing for us this week? Look, mine's the kind of reading that you do, you know, early in the morning, not after a heavy day at the service. Maybe you know, on Saturday morning or something, when you've got a strong cup of coffee or tea in your hand and you're prepared to think about what you're reading. It's called Neoliberalism: The Ideology at the Root of All of Our Problems. And it's a very um, nice and easy primer to what neoliberalism is and how it started, how it evolved, and what its um, you know key um, uh, doctrines are. And I just think that it's really important that people in early education care understand a bit about neoliberalism because it impacts so much of our current um, education and care child uh, policy. Yeah, absolutely. Would add my recommendation, and particularly um, given the long-term discussions we've had in this show about the the effects of the growing, you know, corporate sector 
um, particularly you know, huge amounts of centres and the dangers that presents. This the, that that concept of neoliberalism is a really a tricky but important concept to wrap your head around. And the childcare benefit, a childcare subsidy that's about to start. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> My recommendation this week is just a quick one, and probably one I, I, we could have just tackled in in a hashtag news chat, but decided to just add as a bit of a recommendation. So I mentioned earlier I've been doing a lot of reading about um, that the, you know, the the period ten to twenty years ago, which was the rise and fall of ABC Learning. And the more I read it, the more, and I think I tweeted this out a couple of nights ago, was it was becoming really hard to tell with some of the comments whether they were written in 2000, uh, 2008 or in 2018, because some of them are so similar. So this is just a really, really quick article and uh, just about uh, that even you know some of the big corporate players are starting to think there's significant oversupply and that more... Um, that more that there are too many services entering the market that aren't you know likely to to fail. And then, and then there's just an interesting quote there, which is uh, when your taxi driver is buying a childcare centre, you know the market is a bit overheated. Said a CEO of one of these corporates, um, which uh, accurate, but I guess you know corporate players will need to think about their own uh, conduct and behaviour in recent years, which may have led to this uh, escalating growth. Liam, one of the things that um, always gets me about this is that the uh, the, the analysts that do the analysing of whether a, a, a stock should be a, a sell or a buy or a um, hold, you know, hmm. stock, come up with the most bizarre um, ideas <laughs> based on current childhood policy, you know, education care policy. So they're all saying, oh, no, come July 2018, there's going to be a much greater demand for childcare, so all of these services will suddenly have much higher occupancy rates, so therefore we reckon you should buy childcare stock. Mm. (laughs) Let's see how that one plays out, guys. Yeah, look, I think, Lisa, I don't think we've ever claimed to be uh, the most brilliant, you know, sort of financial analysts or business development advisors in the world, but uh, if you're... If your future existence operate being a being an operator of multiple services in the sector is predicated on the fact that this new package being introduced is going to save you, uh, I would argue you're not on sound footing there. <laughs> yeah, you might have some but other it, problems. But it, it's funny; it shows that you know the depth of the research of these financial institutions that are advising people. You know, about stock market acquisitions and sales and stuff is pretty lightweight. Yep. Shock horror. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for another week. We will, as usual, be back with you next week. Um, thanks for listening again. Uh, just a bit of a shout out as well. If you uh, haven't had a chance yet to leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Store, we'd be really grateful. And that you can support us at patreon.com forward slash early edgy show. We really appreciate everyone's support. Hey, and did I hear you say that we'd had 30,000 downloads? We had. This is, you know, this is a big thanks to everyone out there who, for some, you know, bizarre reason, had nothing better to do with their time than and download and listen to us but yeah we, we we hit that milestone a little while ago we're really we're really grateful i'm still slightly baffled that anyone uh, <laughs> at all listens to this let alone that we've hit that that record but um yeah we we really appreciate anyone who's been listening and sharing and we've got you know a great community of you know commenters and and people on our facebook page particularly who who engage with us most weeks we're really you know that this it, it makes it worthwhile i think doing all this doesn't it lisa it does Absolutely. <laughs> okay, bye-bye and bye. see you all next week.
see you next week. You have been listening to The Early Education Show, hosted by Lisa Bryant, Leanne Gibbs and Leah McNicholas and produced by Leah McNicholas. Find us online at earlyeducationshow.com and while you're there, it would be great if you could hit the Support the Show tab where you can become a patron of the show and support us for as little as $1 a month. We really appreciate it. Get in touch with us at earlyedushow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter with the username earlyedushow. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Store. This really helps other people find the show. See you next time.